Welcome to series two of the GM Moving podcast, where we share with you stories of how people and partners across Greater Manchester are creating the conditions for active lives for all. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. For our first 12 episodes of Series 2, we journeyed around Greater Manchester, speaking with local partners to hear more about the work they're doing, taking a whole system, place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything. Our last four episodes in this series have a slightly different focus, as I speak of our Catalyst leads. Our key catalysts of engagement, people leadership, marketing communications and evaluation and learning. We have learned that if we invest in and pay attention to these things, this will speed up the rate of change across the whole system to enable more active lives. This is where we've called them the GM Moving Catalysts. For today's episode, we're in the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce on a busy Dean's Gate in central Manchester with Tim, Hazel and Katie to hear about the work they're doing to support Greater Manchester Moving, measurement, evaluation and learning. Tim Crabb, who is CEO of Substance, and Dr Katie Shearn, an academic from Sheffield Hallam University, together with Cavill Associates, were commissioned as a consortium back in March 2019 as the local pilot evaluation partner. They work closely with Hazel Musgrove, our strategic lead for evidence and evaluation at Greater Sport, and together they form the GM Moving Evaluation Team, helping us understand and explain the extent to which conditions in place enable active lives. Evaluation is a key part of the local pilot process, with the emphasis from Sport England placed on learning how to create change that enables active lives, not just measuring the impact. We know there's no silver bullet to increase activity levels and reduce inequalities. Understanding what makes change happen in a complex system is therefore critical to take us forward together. The GM Moving Evaluation Evidence work that's taken place over the past five years is helping to make the less visible and tangible changes more observable. Learning about the enablers of change matters to GM Moving. It also matters to our broader Greater Manchester mission for public service reform and health transformation. Together, we've made some good progress in our understanding, but there is still a way to go. The evaluation team are helping us to draw on existing evidence from academic literature to make sense of, capture, distill and codify what we're seeing and hearing in our work and to find alternative ways to measure change. This process is supported through embedded researchers within each locality who attend relevant meetings, catch up with local leads and interview and observe other system stakeholders. The team have helped us to develop and use a range of models and frameworks to help guide our work. So that's enough from me. Let's hear from Katie, Tim and Hazel. I start by asking Tim my favourite question. Why moving matters to him. Yeah, I'm quite passionate about moving and being um, physically active. Always enjoyed playing sports, but also uh, a love of music and dancing. But then also kind of increasingly with my work, think about movement and physical activity beyond that and always trying to remain active and whether that's in the garden or doing the dishes and just thinking yep yep there's a few more kind of movements in there and using the car less walking to the shop active travel to work so those things I've tried to kind of embed 
in my life, which it's interesting because that has in many ways been informed by the work that I do for the last 20, 30 years. And I'm interested in the social dimensions of, of sport and physical activity. And, and that's really what's in, informed my research and evaluations that I've been doing over, over the years and has really brought me to this table. So I live and work in Manchester. I'm passionate about physical activity and uh, have the opportunity to be involved in an evaluation around how we share that, that passion really. So, so that's why I'm here. I had no idea you were a big dancer. Get some dancing on the table before the end of this morning. Just, just in my bedroom, don't worry. <laughs> okay, and and then to you, Katie. The one thing that I, you know, I've always really been kind of really sort of passionate about is the fact that I did so much sport at school, but I also was quite academic, and I really sort of see that relationship between being physically active, participating in, you know, organised and unorganised kind of physical activity or sports contributes to so much more than just doing the sport itself and I, I really think that that's what got me through school and helped me to keep kind of on top of all the academic side of things as well and I've got a young family now and it's something that we really notice during the weekend you know if we haven't managed to get out everyone starts to get a bit crotchety and a bit annoyed with each other and we're like right, get out get out because I live in Sheffield and so it's very easy for us to get into the Peak District we're so lucky we can just get up and out and, and just moving around and it always, always makes a big difference. So, um, but sort of similar to Tim really, thinking about recognising how fortunate and lucky and privileged I am to be able to do things that I like to do, be able to just do it from my house, but how that isn't really always possible for everybody. So probably that social, the social dynamic in terms of how it works for people being active together, but also the social dynamic around the inequalities and the disparities we see in society and how actually it's not accessible for so many people is I think what drives me and why I'm so interested in this work. Great and Hazel? Yeah I think well everything you've both said really resonates Um, I think I've always been sporty and love sport and it's always been so much more than just uh, taking part but as I've started a young family just the difference a walk to the park can make in the middle of the day to the rest of the day um, it's incredible really. Great. So we're here to talk about your roles within the GM Local Pilot. I guess if I come to you first of all, Katie, just you know, can you explain a little bit about what you're doing? <laughs> What's this all about? <laughs> so what I was doing, I'm, I work as an academic at Sheffield Hallam University and when I was doing my PhD I was looking beyond just physical activity and thinking about what helps people to thrive and to flourish and we were looking at things like sexual health and things like um, uh, physical activity as well as, you know, antisocial behaviour. That You know, they, all of those things, recognising that generally people in public health or in various different departments think about things in terms of stopping people do the wrong things rather than how do you encourage people to do things that will help them to thrive and flourish. And as we we're looking at that, question with in a participatory way which means that we work with the people who we're interested in supporting you know really early on you recognize it's so many different influences that help people to thrive and that was kind of well understood by the people who are making decisions and individuals themselves because it's their reality of their life so the way that we monitor whether how we work with people is successful or not is really limited to just one or two kind of key measures and that, and that doesn't necessarily represent what is important to people um, and then some of the methods 
that we use to sort of judge if something's effective or not are really um, take away all of the different influences and all of the complexity, we call it complexity, that influences people's lives. And so I recognised there was a problem there, that we didn't have the methods appropriate to judge some of these broader things that we might try to do. My university gave me just a small amount of money to develop that methodology, and that introduced me to Professor Rob Copeland, who is at Move More Sheffield, and it was kind of a pioneering whole systems approach to physical activity started in 2012. And so together we worked on what are the things that are important to measure and then how can we actually build or accumulate knowledge about these things given it's so complex with lots of influences coming in and out. So that's really, through working through that, was always introduced to Tim. And then Tim, do you want to take on how we actually then got involved in the GM Moving project? Yeah, sure. Um, And you used that word, whole systems approach, which was... um Um, right at the heart of of everything that we're doing. And I think that's where um, we got really interested. For for my sins, I helped to to run an agency in Manchester called Substance, which is really interested in understanding the social impact that sport and physical activity and and recreation can have. And we've worked around these things for for, for many years. And then we we saw the opportunity, which was was publicly advertised to, to lead an evaluation of the GM local pilot and, and GM moving um, more generally. And it was just super exciting to kind of see, oh, this is, this is a little bit different. This is more aligned with our kind of sense of, of what might work because traditionally um, the kind of evaluations that we've done tended to be very focused on what we might call short-term programs, build it and they will come type of approach. We will put on an activity and that will be enough to increase levels of physical activity. But what we learned through evaluating those sorts of approaches was that the people who were already physically active would take advantage of, of new opportunities. You weren't necessarily sustaining that activity as well, that it would, would come to, to an end. But what seemed really interesting about this approach was that the starting point was not about delivery or short-term solutions. It was about understanding the the underlying barriers and really kind of almost turning the focus back to, you know, the system itself and the people that that are leading the system to understand how can we unpick those barriers in a a really broad way, a whole systems approach to look at where people live, what the transport systems are, the way the buildings are designed, the way that the work schedules shift patterns things that people might never normally associate with with being physically active, when we look under the the hood a little bit more detail, we can see that all of these things are intertwined to to make it quite difficult for people to maintain active lifestyles. And that drove our passion to want to be involved. But at the same time, we saw that this was a huge challenge and we're just going to need a a big team with different skills. And previously, um, I was lucky enough to to also work at Sheffield Hallam University, so I I knew colleagues over there. And that's what led us to to pull together a a consortium that also involves some other colleagues um, to really give us a rounded sense of um, what the challenges are to make sure that we would have enough uh, people on the ground to reach out into all the, the localities of Greater Manchester, as well as having a, the kind of theoretical structure that, that Katie was talking about to help us understand, not in the traditional ways of are more people becoming active, but is the system changing 
to enable more people to remain active. Can you walk through the process a little bit? So thinking, as Tim, you talked about the need to obviously have the theoretical kind of framework, but also to have people on the ground in all these places. So taking our kind of local pilot team and leads, like what, what's actually happening? What are you doing and what are you doing differently? Yeah, I mean, I think I draw a distinction between sort of two main, well, maybe three main um, elements. So we talked a little bit about the kind of the theoretical framework that in some ways we kind of, we put up front and say, look, we think these are the important aspects that might be influencing people's ability to maintain active lives, but they're not there as the answer, that they're almost as a kind of straw figure to, to take apart and to, um, to start to sort of unpick and to help people, oh, blimey, I've never really kind of thought about that in relation to, to physical activity. And it was quite interesting, early on, we had these kind of diagrams, didn't we, that, you know, you could sense the fear and tension in the rooms as people were looking at these range of the complexity that, that Katie was talking about. I do remember being in a, in a room at one point and I was suggesting, look, you know, what's great about this programme is the way people are embracing complexity and there were some murmurs around the room. <laughs> no person ever has embraced complexity. It's kind of like we, you had this sense of, of the fear. We had to take that on board as well and understand, look, we're going to alienate people here if we just keep on talking about how com complicated everything is. So there was a process there in terms of trying to put that into more condensed, simpler language to identify a smaller range of, of areas. And we, we identified five enablers, if you like, of physical activity. But then at the same time, then there's this kind of process on the ground, as you, as you talk about. So we, we've had what we refer to as embedded researchers. So this will be people who are kind of actively engaged in, in the local pilot in each of the localities, building relationships with, with stakeholders and, and people who are employed um, on the pilot to understand the day-to-day -day challenges, also to kind of layer in, if you like, some of these enablers that we think to pose questions around how does this relate to, um, to involving local people and growing assets, for example. So kind of posing questions that are enabling practitioners, people involved in the direct work, to question and think about their, their work within the context of whole systems approaches. And then alongside that, as well as the kind of pushing questions, then there's maybe what you might think about as more conventional collection of data and information and, and evidence, which rather than being focused on the number of people who are, in, are turning up at a particular sporting activity, you know, it might be how many endorsements have there been from strategic leaders? You know, in what ways are you working with the health service or DWP? So we'd look to find, you know, is there any evidence of the growth in people in the sport and physical activity sector actually working and building relationships and connections across those different sectors? So we're, we're gathering all that evidence in and then we're playing that back into the the theory that we'd, we'd built and challenging our own assumptions that we'd made um, right at the beginning. 
So, Hazel, I might be putting you on the spot here. <laughs> but Tim's referred to the enablers and referred to a couple of them but hasn't set them out. So are you able to explain what the enablers are and what those key five enablers um, yeah, describe them? So the first is strategic leadership enabling collective leadership, um, which refers to kind of some of the things we might expect to see, such as strategic leaders endorsing um, projects and programmes and the work. Then on to involving local people and growing assets, which again is really about making sure that voice comes through from the community and the people we're trying to get active. Um, the third one's around effective um, work across and between sectors, around the different parts and stakeholders we can work with. Um, and then the fourth one is transforming and developing the governance and process that sits around that. So we hear, particularly at the start of the, the pilot, a lot around the bureaucracy and the red tape that can slow things down or stop the process being quite human and um, allowing that voice to be really heard and come through the process. And then the last one, which is um, really relevant in this conversation, is um, learning and adapting um, to that learning through evaluation. These neighbours have become critical, it feels as though, using that framework all the time in conversations with partners. And so I guess what I've seen and heard is that, again, they're not just relevant to this space of physical activity. They're relevant to all areas of like public service reform. Um, and people can see in there, they're spotting that this is, these are patterns. You know, we know from body evidence and academic literature, there are these, these patterns of things that people say, you know, when this starts to happen, when we start to have um, leadership enabling collective leadership, is that it's basically the kind of big bosses saying, actually, we don't have all the answers, but I'm going to divest some of my decision-making control and power to other people who are closer to the front line or even individuals and communities themselves and support them to kind of take decisions and, and enable decisions themselves. We, we get the sense that when these things do start to happen, they might actually feel quite radical in some places, but it does start to have these sort of exponential benefits and particularly when we see all those five things together. Um, so what we've actually done is first, our first thing that we had to do was to actually try to articulate them in a way that could be shared and made sense of by other people. It's a privilege for me to sit in an academic institution and look at all of the literature and, you know, think about it in deep, deeply. But most people don't have the time to do that and they don't have the time to sort of think differently. So we had to articulate what they, they look like. And first of all, we wrote them out and then we realised people just don't read them. And so then we actually put them into diagrams and, and in actual fact we just sort of re recorded little videos which explain not just what this kind of idea about some of these enablers are but why they're important ultimately to changing population levels of physical activity which is you know we've got to keep a line of sight to that so that's obviously you know the reason why we're all here and then we use those as frameworks to kind of hold workshops and discussions where we invited different people from different localities to share their stories about one or more of those enablers and then invite other of the localities and other people involved in GM moving to reflect on those stories and say, okay, yeah, actually, we don't have a strategic leader like that. And so, you know, who is it in our system that we could actually draw in to help support us and protect our space? And, or, or say, yeah, it actually does work exactly like this. So what is that about and how can we do more of this good stuff and, and, and maybe just stop doing some of these behaviours or ways of working that aren't really helping us. It's this, always this combination between the kind of theoretical side of it, 
the data that we collect and the, the making sense of that almost away from the, the work in GM and then, and then sharing it and trying to make it feel real and alive to the people who are in the work such that you know, our ambition is that then they go away with more ammunition to inform their approach and then the cycle starts again. That process is critical to us as evaluators because it enables us to question some of our assumptions. Just one little sort of tiny example there, when we talk about the strategic leadership enabling collective leadership, at the start we kind of just thought it was really important that there were these kind of standard bearers just getting right behind the, the, whole, the whole process and big leaders across the system, the Andy Burnhams of, 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 of this world standing up and you know he's been an enthusiastic advocate but the reason he's important is because of there's an authenticity to, to what he's saying in terms of um, that, that commitment to these processes. And what we found was that just having a leader standing up and saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all, all good with GM moving and, and the local pilot isn't going to cut it. It's about having that authentic um, voice and it, we can't make that happen. If it's not there, it's not there. And so then you've got to come back and think about, as Katie was saying, what is the process to find the right leaders that might have that influence and are going to buy into the approach? So they're small things, but those little details are, are so important to helping us understand what, what's going to move the whole system forward. So we've touched a little bit about some of the learning and the joys and the challenges, um, but let's go there. So let's start with the, the joys first. So anything in particular that you want to shine a light on that's been you know, really fruitful, that's brought joy in the learning so far as well? like it's gone well. The joy is just seeing an approach that is prepared to say we're not doing it like we've done it before but that constant willingness to be adaptive and to shift and to think no that's not the, the, the right approach so at times that in itself can be challenging nobody kind of wants to go to work every day on the basis of oh everything I've done before has been wrong <laughs> and rubbish and to be completely thrown in the bin but it, it can also be incredibly energizing just to have that freedom to say no you haven't done anything wrong what we've done is we've learned something that's enabled us to adapt the way that we're working and to, to move forward and to, to try different approaches that might be more successful and those little kind of nuggets of finding actually yeah I've got to speak to this person rather than those person just see these little breakthrough moments and you, you see in rooms and these kind of sense-making sessions that we have how people suddenly come alive. Yeah I mean for me I think it's when it does come full circle and somebody says how our approach to the evaluation has actually helped them to adapt or change in their where they're working in a way that they see as productive and helpful to support more people to be physically active. And we've been working, you know, with an embedded researcher working with Salford for three years now. And so we've sort of seen the process and the progress of the way that they've worked and interacted with different people over that time. Just recently in one of our kind of sense-making sessions with Salford. Um, Mike Tucson, who works for Salford Community Leisure, was saying how the way that they are normally evaluated when they have um, pots of money to sort of distribute in programmes or projects 
is that right at the very beginning, they're asked to specify, well, what outcomes are you looking for? How many people? Who are you targeting? Lots of this kind of jargon language to mean, you know, people that live within Salford, sometimes in areas of deprivation. Even that kind of evaluation drives a particular way of working. So they don't think about the, the, what they already know about how to do things. They don't necessarily think about that audience. They just think, how are we going to, you know, deliver, operationalise this money and get as many people through the door into our activity as possible? So in combination with the way that the GM Central team set up the approach by distributing money to the different localities and there being quite an openness about, you, you know, you figure out what's going to work best for you, the evaluation sat alongside that saying, well, we're not going to give you KPIs. By KPIs, I mean key performance indicators, and it's a sort of technical term that we use to monitor effectiveness of programmes traditionally. Really, it's for you to sort of Think about what's important to you and then as things change and shift in your system we're working alongside you to illuminate it make it understood make it shareable to other people and he was saying mike was saying that actually that evaluation approach allowed them to sort of take a step back look around think about who have we got in our we call it the system but we really really we mean partners stakeholders you know, other people that we feel we could do better work with. And, and you mentioned the Salford Youth Service. And they were already, before GM Moving was, you know, really established, setting up a youth club for young people with the DEN. And they already had an approach which is about how do we hear from young people about what they want. And so this evaluation approach complemented that by not coming in and saying, well, we need to see 60 people through the door, otherwise you've it's arbitrary, isn't it, whether that's success or failure. What we want to know is how is that processing working to bring different people together, different young people into the door, you know, and then what's happening with those young people? So even if that one example, now there's young people that have accessed that service, but then they've gone on to other employment. But with this open evaluation approach, we can follow that and we can understand how that's happened. But then l- lately, the um, integration of the... Um, the Salford City Leisure Team and the Salford Youth Service, they've had so much space and time given to them to be able to really work out how do we work together that it's now coming to fruition where they're working as a sort of almost like a one team where in certain circumstances the youth service can bring in physical activity because they understand its importance, they've learned how to deliver that with Mike's help and the support of the others and equally the uh, physical activity officers really understand better how the relationship between physical activity and, you know, supporting young people in, in their broader lives through the youth, we're working with the youth service. So what we're seeing now is a kind of almost like an exponential increase in opportunities to raise physical activity, but also to make it meaningful, to make it work with other services. If we'd have come in and said, we want these KPIs, A, that wouldn't have been supported for them to go and do that work, and B, we wouldn't know anything about it because we wouldn't be looking to measure those things. You know, what, what's really critical, Katie a few times said the words how and why. And I think, you know, that's one of the key differences in this type of evaluation. But what we have had is this opportunity, if you like, to experiment and try out different approaches that help us then to understand how we might be able to do this in other places and to sustain it. I think particularly in the public sector, it's fair to say that you've you've kind of had services and departments that tend to work in what we might call silos or with kind of closed walls around them, focused on their kind of key targets and not thinking about how they can benefit from, from working 
across departments and across different sectors. And that's really what we're seeing the, the key breakthroughs um, in our evaluation of, of, of the local pilot. Great. So often when people think of evaluation, they think of like those council measures that you talked about, you're moving away from to think about more positive kind of indicators. They think about maybe something that comes at the end of a programme mm-hmm. or project. They'll tell you at the end if it was good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very much as you describe that kind of test and learn approach where you've got embedded researchers who are constantly effectively in the field and that's constantly being fed back on this loop so you can learn and adapt as you go. Uh, and then the, you're pointing as well to the difference of it's not then you telling people within those spaces what they need to do. It's constantly more kind of codification of what people are doing. What you're seeing are these patterns that help make change happen or help that system to develop the maturity to create those conditions in this sense to enable people to be active. Ross McGuigan, who's, who is... Uh, working with the Stockport, um, well, they're not even calling it a pilot anymore because such a, all of this approach has been adopted and adapted into the um, Stockport um, One strategy, um, which is broader than physical activity, but physical activity is a really strong kind of pillar there. Anyway, so the, the point I was saying about Ross is that his work was really different for him and he was going out of a leisure centre and working with a community group in Brinnington has always said that the evaluation approach with Kath, one of our team who's worked alongside him, has really actually supported and bolstered their approach and allowed them to share the story of what they've done in Brinnington in a different way back to the local council, which has then had this sort of transformative effect within that development of that strategy that really honours and um, respects the kind of community input into that strategy ongoing. And I think it's those kind of moments where, where people don't necessarily always understand every element of what we're saying, but can understand the ethos, which is there to help illuminate, shed light on, explain, and really help them to sort of take the best of what they're doing and move forward, and then let go of some of the things that just aren't working because they don't really stack up. So it is those things, I think, that make you feel, okay, this was was difficult, but it was worthwhile because instead of it being an evaluation report that people kind of grudgingly do and then put on a shelf, it's a bit more alive and it's a bit more useful in and of that time to to help people to continue doing the work they want to do. But what we've noticed is through a conversation with commissioners and Sport England and even, you know, DCMS, the government um, department responsible for, for, for the pilot, maybe had some scepticism. There was certainly more of a focus and a requirement to want to do the traditional measurement of what's the effect this is having on the numbers of people who are being physically active now. Whereas we are always at pains to say, we're not going to know that for for years. It's about system change to, to allow that to happen. And I think slowly through the evaluation, there's been that kind of recognition and appreciation of of what we're trying to do, which itself has been reflected in a shift in the way that, that Sport England has wanted not only the local pilots to be evaluated, but also how the local pilots are, are supported. In the midst of all this, you know, Katie led a consortium which uh, won the, the contract to be the national evaluation and learning partner, where lots of the kind of approaches that we've, we've piloted here in GM have now become more the orthodoxy, if you like, and the ways in which this type of work is being evaluated um, across the country. So picking up that thread, because we often talk about things being locally led, GM supported, 
enabled nationally. So being able to have that alignment from local and hyper-local up to the national kind of DCMS strategy is a key point, isn't it? So what is there anything else you want to point to, I suppose, in terms of what would be what you're seeing change that's helping us work in GM? Uh, and is there any particular asks, any things that you're looking for that need to change further if we're going to take this work to fulfil its full potential? What I've been really interested in is the amount of interest that we've seen at so Sport England level in terms of their interest in what is a place-based approach and a whole systems approach and an opportunity to be able to explain what that is, not just in a kind of theoretical sense, but by being able to draw on examples, like I say, largely from Greater Manchester. What you see is the recognition in their faces that, okay, that is different to what we've talked about before in terms of programmes and projects. And that then opens up the opportunity to talk about how you need to adjust the measurements and ways of thinking about what success means. Now, I would say I still think there is a quite a long way to go in the sense that people understand this is a complex problem, but they still want a simple solution and they still want a simple way of saying whether it's worked or not. It's really a really hard pill for some people to swallow who are effectively accountable for the the divestment of a lot of public money to be able to say, well, we're never going to be really certain about what the impact is because of all these different contextual factors. And I still think there is a bit of resistance there. I think people think we're looking at all these different methodologies, they're giving us space and time to develop increasing numbers of different ways of doing that. But I think they're still in the back of people's minds. At some point, there will be a different but equally simple and neat solution. We, we need to be able to become more comfortable with the uncertainty that, that there is but not to be taught desperate about it and think, well, we'll never know anything. I think we can learn about these patterns. We can learn about some of the things that seem to you know, produce really interesting, exciting new things, but we can't predict what those things are going to be. But we can have more certainty that we can work in ways that are conducive to supporting population levels, changing physical activity, and importantly, reducing inequalities in physical inactivity. So what's my ask? You know, it is actually for people to lean into the uncertainty, you know, as much as they can. And that does also mean they, some of these people with power need to hold, hold the accountability, even though they can't control what's happening on the ground and, and, and trust the process and lean into it. But it, that is a difficult conversation to have. It's a big ask. Yeah. So, Hazel... The joy is absolutely being that change in mindset, seeing people ask different questions, challenge what they're being asked for, um, being comfortable sharing things that they feel haven't worked in inverted commas, um, but trying to understand why that might be and how they could adapt that for future. I think the challenge is then how you go from all that really rich, in-depth information and share that, that kind of either at a whole Greater Manchester level with partners from active travel to held to DWP or a national level across yeah, all the different places where this work's happening and without losing what makes it really useful and interesting and usable. So I think that'll be a challenge, particularly as more and more people work in this way, how you bring it all together at that level. One of the challenges we've found is that where people have been brave enough to talk about things that haven't worked or where they've talked about things that they've done, but they've done on behalf of an, another agency, let's say. They have found a problem of being able to report that in a way 
that is truthful and honest about those kinds of relational elements, but that doesn't damage the relations that are still ongoing in this systems approach. And I don't know if we've really cracked that yet, because I think we, those are the things we can talk about in terms of the theoretical side of it without naming people and sort of pointing fingers and things like that. But it's quite hard to sort of, you know, to, to actually bring, bring people, you know, to, to report on in a sort of traditional sense those things, because then those documents might be picked up and taken out of context and that kind of thing. But just as you were saying, I think one of the good ways that we have tried to tackle that is not in a sort of standard report, but it's in, it's in a meeting, sharing it in a workshop, sharing it in conversations. And that goes back to what Tim was saying earlier about the importance of our team and ourselves being embedded, because then you do understand that context. And when you're sharing that learning back, you can do it in a way which is sensitive to some of those you know, slightly political challenges. I mean, that trust is, is really key, isn't it? So again, having that consistency in terms of relationship with yourselves that mean that one, you're aware of those sensitivities um, and aware, being aware to when you are in a room where actually there is a high level of trust for people to openly share what's not working and how quickly you can step into another room where that doesn't exist. Um, I think there's so much pressure across the system that there is often still blame placed unfairly on people when you start to try and highlight what isn't working. And that comes back to those questions about that maturity of the whole system. You can create it in, in bubbles, but creating that everywhere all the time is a massive journey and challenge, I guess, for us still. So are there any other sort of stories or kind of indicators of the shifts that you're seeing and hearing and feeling taking place? It's actually around the GM Central team in in the sense that when we first started the work then it was really kind of Tim and I and our sort of consortium advocating for this kind of approach and people accepting they needed to do things differently but not necessarily really understanding how and why and what that was going to look like. And I, I think, you know, this credit to Hazel and Emily, who was here before Hazel, and people like Richard, who have just said, actually, evaluation is everybody's business. And all of us that are part of this work need to develop a degree of skill and capacity and understanding around evaluation. And we're just moving into a phase now where, really, Tim and I are making ourselves redundant as much as possible and trying to sort of share some of the skills, some of the core tenants of the evaluation to people like Hazel and Richard and people who are going to be in, you know, GM moving, you know, going forward so that it's, it's, it's shared out, it's distributed, there's more people that understand how to do it, there's more people who are there observing, capturing data, you know, in ways that are consistent with this approach. And for me, that's like a huge kind of change from what we saw at the beginning to, you know, people not just kind of shuddering and recoiling back at the thought of evaluation, but actually going, no, hang on a minute, I'm going to have a go at this. I'd just sort of add on to that so that we're not just sort of painting a kind of rose-tinted story of everything. (laughs) And I think we have to be honest enough to say that that isn't uniform, the extent to which that happens, that this is a challenging process, that... um, even within GM Central team, there'll be some people more on board with approaches than others, equally across localities. We see a lot of churn in terms of people in key roles. And so you get people who just absolutely got stuff and 
fantastic people, but you move on and new career opportunities, and then you're you're kind of back to you know not square one necessarily, but um, you've got you know more people to bring on board with with processes, and look, you know other things happen. Covid happening and the sort of you know just absolute earthquake in the middle of, of of all of this this evaluation where, frankly, you know prioritizing new approaches to evaluation was not top of people's agendas. So I think you know it's just worth us kind of recognizing that there's a a non sort of linear or non straightforward always improving process in here, but we get you know uh, peaks and troughs and. Um, challenges along along the way and and that's part of the complexity of system change is accepting that it's not always going to be a straight sort of smooth road I can hear it sounds like a, we've got a vehicle reversing outside <laughs> I don't know that's a metaphor for <laughs> the potential risks I guess just if there's anyone listening is going okay this all sounds really interesting so what is there any signs to make any difference in terms of ultimately supporting more people to be active and reducing the number of people who are inactive? The interesting thing about Greater Manchester is that obviously you have Greater Manchester moving and then you have the localities that you know represent the boroughs of Greater Manchester as well as Glossop. What we've been able to see is those different journeys across these different localities. And I would say that what we've learned is that there are some foundations that if those foundations are in place, then there is every chance that we that those localities are building the conditions which will ultimately lead to changes in physical activity. And we obviously within the evaluation we do see examples of you know uplifts in physical activity with some groups. But what we're we're trying to understand is how might that scale to kind of population level, and that as Tim said earlier is a change that will take years to come to fruition. It won't happen in the first three years of this work. And so we can't say that there's been population level changes in physical activity, which can be attributed to the work of the local pilots. But what we can say is that there are some really strong foundations in certain places. And that's where you've got strategic alignment of physical activity being important across multiple policy areas. That's where you've got strong connections and entrusted kind of community leadership. So it's not just about, we don't just consult with people, but we actually think about how do we give communities and individuals some ownership over, over what, you know, what's happening in their lives around them, around physical activity. And that's, that's a huge shift to even want to do that, let alone to actually achieve it. And we're seeing that to start to emerge in certain places. In terms of, you know, how different bodies and agencies work together, putting aside some of their organisational objectives to kind of think, actually, if we pool our resources or put things to, put things together, we can actually move, move further, faster. So I would say that there are some really sort of strong indicators of change, but they're not necessarily indicators of changes in population level of physical activity yet. I think that's, that we have to accept that, that, that that's not necessarily something we would have expected to see in this in this time frame. What the pilot's done, what GM Movement's done, is kind of catalyse some of those local conditions in place, which need to be owned in those places. But that's not uniform across the different localities for lots of reasons, some of them contextual, some of them just not quite getting the right combinations of people, not being able to, you know, maybe not the skills to be able to work with communities in the same way. But because of the way we've done the evaluation, there is there's always this opportunity to lean into, well, how did you do that over there? And maybe we can try that here. 
And I think the other legacy that's probably left behind is some good interconnections and relationships between the local pilots where they started off in quite competitive positions and now they're familiar with each other, they'll ring each other, they'll speak to each other. You know, traditionally we would have expected people to come to the solution that uh, somebody you know, in head office had decided was the thing that they should be doing. And the, the big shift across so many of the localities is actually saying, no, you know, the, the national governing bodies of different sports, so like the Lawn Tennis Association or UK Cycling, they have to come to the communities and then come to the individuals and figure out what do they need to do differently to support people to be active in ways that they value in the places that they are in. I think that's a good place <laughs> to, uh, to start to round up because that seems key to all of it. So where next? What does the future look like? And what's the invitation, I guess, to others who are now interested in getting involved? If we're genuinely going to be adopting that principle of learning and adapting, then that can only happen when people are invested themselves in that desire to learn and to take that learning in order to adapt their work. But I think that as a fundamental, Katie sort of um, slightly joking before about that process of making ourselves redundant as evaluators, but but that does need to happen because what we have here is a, a local pilot where the resources that fund that will, will run out and the, the resources that fund the evaluation will, will run out. But what we really hope is that those principles that we've been working with can be embedded across workforces and across um, the boroughs of Manchester and, and taken forward beyond when the pilot isn't there. And hopefully that different perception of what evaluation is, that evaluation isn't something that's being done on me and my work, but is something that enables that work to flourish and to, to adapt and, and improve. Great. It's quite an exciting time, in, you know, certainly in England at the moment, if not actually internationally, but there's real interest in whole systems approaches and place-based approaches. And through the national consortium work that Tim mentioned earlier that we're doing, we're, we're starting to kind of build even more um, opportunities for people to share and exchange their work and to work together to sort of try to tackle some of these more challenging problems together. So I think that whilst we might be sort of moving away from GM, moving in terms of the in and out of the day-to-day, actually the opportunity for people involved in the GM moving work to be you know, really part and parcel of a national sort of movement of learning about what works, how can we work together, how can we you know, tackle some of these challenges together. That's only going to grow in the next few years. And so, again, it's going back to what you were saying earlier, Eve, about GM moving, you know, wanting to be sort of really locally led and enabling locally, but also sharing that learning nationally. There's just loads of opportunities to do that. And because of our relationships, I feel like we, we're, we're in a really good place to be able to shine a light on what's happening in GM moving in lots more spaces. I think, yeah, it can be quite daunting to know where to start or what to do. And I think something Katie said uh, early on was, if you're not sure what question to ask, just ask why five times and you'll get to a much <laughs> deeper level of understanding than where you started. Um, and I, I think it is just have a go. There's no right or wrong way of evaluating and learning. It's what works for you and the particular bit of work you're doing. But the more you, you practice it and have a go at it, the more you... yeah develop those skills and find it rewarding and we can share yeah plenty of the learnings from the local pilot through our GM moving website and resource hub yeah and I, but I think the invitation is also that 
where we feel at the moment the transfer the transfer of learning from one thing to another has happened best is in conversation and that's challenging for us because we want to leave kind of written outputs but I think we have to recognise that because of the contextual specific you know it's really specific each person's context is really different that actually being able to match up the things that are going to be of interest and of use to people it often comes through conversations more than just here here's a kind of written output so there's a combination I think you know to, to look into the resources to look into the findings but also to find opportunities to talk about it with other people and that is a really good mix I think that will help people to to learn join the conversation let's stop there so thank you very much to all of you I look forward to seeing what's next and uh, yeah watching this kind of learning system really continue to grow and mature and evolve over time so thank you thank you to everyone listening and see you soon thanks for listening to this geo moving podcast episode it's impossible to do justice to the breadth and depth of the evaluation work in one podcast conversation if you want to know more you can find the process evaluations on our geo moving website and via our geo moving resource hub As ever, we'd love to hear from you and to learn more about what other people and partners are doing around the world to evaluate whole system working and to capture the key enablers of change for more active lives or for other complex problems. If you'd be interested in joining a community practice to share your work in this area, please get in touch via email. You can also contact us on our socials or on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag GMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who'll find it useful and join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.